0: Well, Abby is uh, gone this week. She's doing something in Dayton. I can't quite figure it out, but she's doing something. It's it's like new songs. She's learning to sing new songs. Is that what it is? She's going to be in a performance? I don't know. I don't know. Michelle, thank you. That's my way of saying thank you, Michelle, for leading us today. So, uh, And and the group as well. All right. What I'm about to share with you has absolutely nothing to do with the sermon, but I am going to look at the camera, and I'm going to look at my brothers and go, ha, you went to Purdue. <laughs> I, I've been to two Ohio State games. Uh, one was at Northwestern, the other one was Purdue, and uh, I went to uh, West Lafayette, and the only way I can go to these games, is you, you have to go to the away games, Okay seems to be the way it is. And so I went to the an Ohio State-Purdue game. Purdue hadn't won a game. Ohio State hadn't lost a game. And guess what happened? Ohio State lost. And my brothers, who all went to Purdue, my phone was lighting up afterwards. And in fact, for Christmas, I even got a T-shirt that says, this is how Purdue beat Ohio State. And so now, after the shellacking of yesterday, I can look in the camera at my brothers, if they're watching, say, ha! Don't do that to me ever again, i tell you. What was it, 61 to 31 or something like that? What was it? 59 to 31. I know it was 31. So, okay. Anyway, like I said, had nothing to do with the sermon. Good intro, though. So we're going to get started. Let's go, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Remember last week I talked a lot about uh, we talked about money, we talked about, um, we talked about the prosperity gospel, and, uh, and we talked about why I, I know it is a false gospel that's out there. Um, partly because, as I shared before, people feel entitled. If I do things for God, God will do this, and we feel entitled about that. Can you please share what that's found in Scripture? God is God, and he can do whatever he wants. And that's a hard thing to keep keep in mind, because I mean, I mean, you name it, things can happen. I, I and and well, anyway. So we talked about the Macedonian church and how the Macedonian church was a poor church, and how they were giving to the Jerusalem church, which was a poorer church, meaning. That uh, the uh, Macedonian, uh, the, the Jerusalem church was poor because of the fact that they lost their jobs, they lost their livelihood, they lost their families, all because they started following, following Jesus. Okay, I go back and say, that goes against the prosperity gospel. And, and, and then, you, then you go and you look at the Afghan church and what they're going through right now, that goes against the prosperity gospel as well. So, okay, so, so then... Paul then was writing to the Corinthian church, and Paul was asking, was trying to encourage the Corinthian church to fulfill the pledges that they gave for the Jerusalem church. The Corinthian church was actually a rich church. Uh, the Macedonian church was actually a poor church. And the, 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 the Corinthian church was, had given pledges that they were going to support the Jerusalem church so much. And I don't know, it doesn't say, I, I can't figure out exactly why Paul was writing this, but it wasn't encouragement. Either they hadn't they haven't fulfilled that, or Paul was just encouraging them in their generosity. So, with that in mind, uh, we're going to continue on with the series that I'm in on learning to live, uh, think, act, and and love like Jesus. And learning the joy of generosity, and we're going to talk about continue to talk about money. I shared this with the pastors that meet together on Thursday morning. A number of pastors get together at the Abundant Life Church and we pray. Out of that prayer meeting, many good things have happened. Uh, KHM actually came out of that prayer meeting that uh, we have at the Abundant Life Church. We found out that uh, one of the people that are involved with it was sharing what was happening with KHM they were sharing that was uh, I know it's growing in Salina it's like 30 some kids are now involved with KHM in the Salina school system 80 some kids are actually involved with uh, FCA Fellowship of Christian Athletes and we know it it is growing in in the parkway system as well and it all came as a result of that prayer meeting that we meet together well I shared with the pastors that I was preaching on generosity and I was preaching on money and that opened up some discussion. One pastor shared, he said, I was at Walmart the other day and I had my daughter with me and this lady in front of me was buying birthday presents for their granddaughter and, and uh, came to the point where they were checking out and she forgot her credit card. So she said, can, can you just stay here and wait? I'm going to have to, I got to go to the car and, and pay for these birthday presents. And The pastor looked at her and said, no, don't worry about it. I'll pay for it. And you know, in this culture, in this area, you know, uh, uh, I think people have a harder time accepting generosity than giving it. So, you know, that ever famous going back and forth, no, you don't have to. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, you do. And finally, the pastor looked at her and said, will you please let me have the blessing of giving to you? And she started crying. Well, right next to her, him was his daughter what was he teaching his daughter the value of generosity there was an employee there at the Walmart in Salina and all I have to do is give one one thing that he has on his body all the time and you will know exactly who I'm talking about he made a comment about it and the pastor turned around and says I'm just sharing the love of Jesus with this lady had another pastor then he He started sharing the story about he went on vacation down to Florida. And while he was down there, he felt the Lord tell him, you are to give away all of your vacation money. Okay? So he started giving the money away to various people while on vacation. And he said, let me tell you what happened. He says, God started showing and God started blessing said, I'd stand in line at Disney World, and somebody turned around and says, I don't know why, but I'm going to pay for your family to go into Disney World. He said when he came back, the amount of money that he gave away was doubled. I think God was just trying to show. Can you trust me? Can you trust me? Interesting thing happened. When they were sharing these stories, I stopped and I looked and I looked at the pastors and I said do you guys see your faces right now because there were no pastors going oh it's terrible I had to do all of this they were all smiling why were they smiling they were smiling because they were experiencing the joy of generosity one thing that I've learned in my ministry is when I'm around very generous people most of the time they're smiling and they're filled with joy. They're joyous people. They're not like Mr. Scrooge, who's hoarding it all. I mean, they're giving it away, and they're they're experiencing life, and they're 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 loving it. Where Scrooge would be over here going, "Bah, humbug!" It'd be a great day to talk about Scrooge now that it's snowing. Throughout my ministry, I've I've been around millionaires. Orville Marilot of Marilot Cabinets in Adrian, Michigan. Paul Gordon of Gordon Foods. I met him the year before he died. Erie Souter of Souter Woodworking in Archibald, Ohio. There's one thing that I noticed that I'm, as I'm doing this series, that I remember about each and every one of them. They were people filled with joy. And they had smiles on their faces. Because they were giving away. And they were, being generous with the money that God has given to them. Maybe that's why the Macedonian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 4, pleaded with Paul. There was this poor church that was giving to a poorer church, and they were pleading with Paul for the privilege of sharing in the service of the Lord's people. And I I like what it says here in verse 4 of, of chapter 8. It says, The privilege is not entitled but a privilege of being able to give. And I think it's because they learn the joy of what God did for us. Because if you think about it, God's very generous as well. He sent his son to die on the cross for us. That's pure generosity. So I asked last week, I I said, so how do we learn generosity? How do we learn the joy of generosity? And I said, next week. Well, here we are, next week. And I said, the key is actually found in chapter 9. So turn, if you will, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to start at verse 6. Okay? And we're going to talk about what the keys and the lessons are in learning the joy of generosity. And I do believe God wants us to be generous. Okay? Now, this is not manipulation. Please understand that. But I think God places it on our hearts to be generous. And uh, there's joy that comes with that. Okay, verse 6. Remember this, Paul's saying, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And farmers, you know what I mean. You can can stretch it out just a little bit. You can stretch it out just a little bit the seeds. But you're not going to get the crop. Unless you plant it the way you're supposed to at the right time. Right, you know, right level and, and the right um, number of grains that go into the into the ground. So each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, that you will abound in every good work, as it is written. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, and their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies the needs to the sower and the bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. See that? Man, if you had a pen, I would say, circle that. What is he he enlarging the harvest of? Your righteousness. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous So, being generous so that you can be generous. Do you understand what I'm saying? Gives you more so you can do more. Okay? On every occasion, through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Okay, I'm going to stop there. I grew up in a family, uh, as many of you know, I grew up in a family outside of Fort Wayne. My grandparents owned Delancey's Fresh Vegetables on Smith Road, uh, about outside of Wayneville. My grandparents worked their whole life, they retired. And then, after a few years of retirement, he, my grandfather couldn't stand being retired anymore, so he went in, back into business and he essentially just. Uh, uh, uh had a 10 acre garden where he started developing uh, raising sweet corn and some vegetables and he opened up their their market just for uh, a, a little bit it wasn't a lot but they opened up a little bit and and they gave they didn't need the money so he just did it and what he did is he gave it all away to ministries so strange was it to the IRS that they were audited quite a bit the IRS couldn't understand how somebody would give so much money away, but they learned the value of generosity. My grandparents uh, 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 built two hostels, which are boys' schools in India. They also were involved with uh, building an uh, airplane hangar in Mexico for Operation Blessed. They had a place upon their heart that they were to uh, give the money for that, but they didn't trust banks because they went through the Depression. So they went to the bank with grocery bags, put the money for the airplane hangar in the grocery bags, and drove with their Ford Maverick, that was probably 20 years old at the time, all the way from Fort Wayne, Indiana, all the way to Mexico, and down to where the uh, airplane hangar was to be, and they gave it to the organization and said build your airplane hangar why they weren't questioned about that I will never know except what's what's all this drug money You (laughs) you know here's this 80 year old couple going down with drug money that would be in their mind but they learned the value of giving they lived such a life. I mean, Grandma would be in the market, and she would have bobby pins that were holding her pants together. When they died, they were worth seven figures, and you never knew it. They learned the value of giving. So how, how do we develop that joy? Well, let's look at the Scripture passage. Go to verse 6. Come on. Did this? Oh, that went off. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Okay, I'm going to stop. Just take a little side note here. And here's the lesson I really want to get across to you. Teach your children the value of generosity. They're watching you. Teach them now. I I love watching children, especially young ones that they, they like to give stuff away and that's just the nature of them. That they see a need, they'll give it. Now, now, then they become teenagers, and that changes. But teach your children now the value of generosity. When when my kids were growing up, Polly would always give them some money to put into the offering plate. And so the offering plate would, a quarter, a nickel, or dime, or a dollar. I don't know, but they'd go by my children. You hear this clank as they put it in. Even though it was our money, she was teaching them the value of generosity. Now, we're not passing the offering plate right now because of the COVID situation. That's the easiest way to spread it from one side of the church to the other. So we developed this box over there for the offering box. And you're saying, well, I can't give my kid money to put in there because, you know, put in the offering plate because we're not passing it. You let them put the offering in, the offering box. Let them do that. Give them say, Hey, you want to put it in today? I actually, I, I mentioned this last service. I actually saw a dad do that at the last service. Gave the money to the, hey, why don't you put it in there? When when the kids go to children's church, there's a the little offering that's taken up there. Why don't you give them a quarter a dime, a dollar, a million dollars, and, and let them put it in. Twilight would have a heart attack if she ever got a million dollars that day. But, but the, let them, when they pass it, them learn the value and the joy of giving so so teach to your children now to to, to, to sow generously. verse 7 each of you should get what you've decided in your heart not reluctantly or under compulsion because God loves a cheerful giver so here's some lessons I want to bring out here not out of manipulation you don't you don't give out of manipulation and, and there are groups out there, and, and I, I, I was very critical of the church. When I say the church, I'm talking about universal, not just us. Um, I was very critical of the church last week because there's manipulators in there. And and, and that really bothers me. A manipulator will make you give out of fear and obligation and guilt. Um, They'll they blame you. You know that? poor person died because you didn't give enough money even though they're not giving that that's a manipulator manipulators will create false crises i mean i remember shar binkley when she, she was a manager of wbcl radio and she was talking about this 20 years ago she made the comment they were having their charathon and shar was very open during that charathon and she says you know We've had fundraisers that come in here and they talk to us and how they can make more money for us uh, for WBCL radio. He says one of them came up and said if you only create a crisis then the people will give. Create a crisis and the people will give. And Char Binkley, she was literally crying on the radio. She goes, I will not manipulate people that way. So the Bible says that we're we're, we're, we're to give what we decided in our heart not out of coercion and manipulation you know, pray about it God what do you want me to do and then be obedient to him then, then we're, to give out a, we're not to give out of reluctancy or, or grudgingly or, or complaining at the temple there were two boxes at the temple for, for offerings the Jerusalem temple one, one box was the offerings they called it the grudge offering, those that you had to give, like taxation. I mean, how many of you love give tax money? know. And then there was another box that was there that was the free offering uh, where you just gave out of your heart. That was actually called a, like a joy offering. And, and so they had the two boxes. One was the grudging one. You had to do it. And the other one, was a free will offering. You gave out of the generosity and the love of your heart. So we're not to give out of reluctance. We're we're actually to give out of joy. That's what we're to do. I got a point I'm going to make a little bit later, but it's down the line a little bit. Give. Give not out of compulsion, like I have to. That's where taxation comes in. And then we are to give cheerfully. The Greek word is hilarios. We are to give hilarious. I can hear... I I always got one word I can't uh, talk about. We are supposed to give hilariously, joyfully. Dr. Charles Swindoll said, wouldn't it be great that when the offering time is taken up at the church that people are giddy and laughing? Because God has blessed them. And I, and I was kind of imagining the the ushers of the church, you know. Uh, if, if there's ever a group that should have a smile on their face, it should be the ushers. I mean, and I, I could just imagine them walking up with the plate and, and laughing, you know. And smiling, isn't this great? We're we're giving back to God some of what he's given to us. Hey, isn't this great? Instead of, hmm, you're going to give or not. Now that's compulsion. (laughs) But hey, this is great. We're giving. So really, I, I, I think you should probably start with the ushers. If we ever start up again, ushers, you need to start laughing when we pick up the offering. How about that? Yeah, but it's supposed to be Cheerful. Because we know that we're giving back to God some of what he's given to us. It's his anyway. And God has has given us so much that we're just filled with joy for what he's given to us. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a hilarious giver, is what he's saying. Verse 8, and God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So he's saying you're going to be blessed. Now how does he bless us? He blesses us two ways. He can bless us materially. He can. But that's not an entitlement. That is a blessing if he gives it to you. Now I'm going to tell you, you live in the United States. And until you go to other parts of the world, you don't realize how much of a blessing it is to live in these United States. Irregardless of the fact that inflation's going crazy right now, I understand that, but we are still a very blessed nation. So there's a material blessing, entitlement versus blessing. You are never entitled to anything. And then there's a spiritual blessing, and the actual word here that it that talks about is actually the word that talks about contentment where you become content in what God has given to you. What's the opposite of contentment? Coveting? Greed? So we become content in what we have. My my grandparents came to that point. uh, When when Grandpa took over Sweet Celery Farm in, in Indiana, there was a celery farm outside of Fort Wayne. It's where the big dump is now. They took the best ground in Allen County, Indiana, and they turned it into a dump makes a lot of sense but that's just the way it is he went out and he bought himself a brand new muck tractor and he buried it the first day don't know if they ever got it out I, I talked to my aunt and my mom when she, my mom had her still had her fact they he said dad just talked about it and he said he buried it we think it's still under the muck and ever since then Grandpa learned to be content in what he had I'm going to tell you I am seeing stuff on antique tractors, uh, USA, U.S. Farm Report or whatever, that's, those are the tractors my grandfather had in the 1990s. The Farmall H and the Farmall M and the, the Alice Chalmers. And I, mean, and I go, whoa. No John Deere's. Sorry. No Greenlands. <laughs> but he learned to be content in what he has. He drove a, a, a Ford Mavericks until they died. You know, how many of you have ever driven a Ford Maverick? Come on, some of you have. Come on. There we go. One, two, okay. You know the best part about Ford Mavericks? I call them Flintstone mobiles. You know why? Those things kept driving, but they rusted away. So you'd be driving, and you could see the road between your feet. Okay. But you had to take a baseball bat to the engine to get it to stop. And and even then it didn't stop. Okay, so I I had two Ford Mavericks. Uh, We were married with a Ford Maverick. But anyway, uh, you learn to be content. Now, what they do in, in commercialism is they try to entice you to spend more. So think about this. Why is it that every year they change an automobile just a little bit? Why don't they keep them the same? Because they want to entice you to buy it. Henry Ford used to have a Model T and they were all the same until he know, until the, his, his market share started going down because all the other ones were changing the model every year. And they've learned that. Change it just a little bit. Entice you to buy. Okay, so you learn the value... Of, covet, uh, of, of contentment. The New American Standard says so that always having all sufficiency in everything. That's contentment. I got all I need. Okay, let's go on. Oh, back up, back up, back up. That was, why was that? Oh, there was a little. My slide was taken out. Okay. I want to. I want to give you an idea of what I mean by people who are. Uh, joyous in their giving and content in what they do. Stanley Tam. If you go out on uh, I-75 in um, um, outside of Lima you will see a um, you will see a, a factory there that says Jesus is the answer. That is owned by a man named Stanley Tam who learned the value of giving and of generosity. At the end of his life He was giving 90% of what this factory was making, distribution place was making, to the Lord. He was living off of 10%. I I want you to hear what he has to say in this little video. He lived to be over 100 years old. God blessed him in that area as well. From what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, he gave 90% away and lived off of 10%. And God blessed. And God blessed. Now, I want to be very clear on this. He didn't do it like we talked about last week, just for the sake of entitlement. He, he, he lived this life out of generosity to honor the Lord. Big difference. Huge difference. And then it says this. this verse 10. Now, he who supplies seed and sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Now, who's the one that's supplying it? God is. He, he's the supplier of all this. It's all his anyway, right? It's, it's not ours, it's his. And, and, and he says, um, And now he who supplies the sower and bread for food also supplies the needs and enlarge your heart now notice that it will enlarge the harvest but what's the harvest righteousness not more that I get it is your harvest of righteousness see see God owns it anyway and, and and our purpose is to glorify and honor God in all that we do. That's our purpose. Not to enlarge the kingdom of Mount Tabor, but we are to enlarge the kingdom of Almighty God. And I I shared with you last week. I said, you know, I, I got something that I want to bring before the elders to see if this is something we want to do for the sake of enlarging righteousness. Not and it mean that if we do do something like this, you know. We, we may never see the results of it. So? I, I shared with the board, uh, I said I would love to see Mount Tabor get 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 behind one major project. Now we got many minor projects, don't get me wrong. KHM is one of them and all that. But I'd love for us to get behind one major project and just focus on that and, and have the joy of being able to, to maybe give it all away and then we may never see the results of it, but we're just being obedient. If it means we help the Afghan refugees that are in uh, southern Indiana or even just the Afghan church or maybe Haiti, the Haiti church, or um, um, I just lost the guy's name in Haiti (laughs) that we help out a lot, then, then fine. But the key is the righteousness. Because the Bible says in verse 11, You will be encircled in every way so that you can be generous in every occasion. And through your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So basically what Paul is saying, Corinthian church, you give, God might give you more, but the purpose of that is so that you can give more. Not to develop your kingdom, so that you can give even more. And what will happen is, verse 11 People will give thanksgiving to God because of you. And verse 12 and 13, a testimony will be given about Jesus Christ and and to others. And then verse 14, they will pray for you, saying, thank you, Lord, for these generous Corinthians and these generous Macedonians. You will be enriched. And, And if it could be riches, that's up to God. But I really think it's riches of righteousness. Now, I'm going to close off with this. Next week, I'm going to focus on this passage. But it's one of the only times in Scriptures that I see, one of the few times in Scriptures that I see God saying, Test me, try me. Okay? God, you said it. I'm going to test you. Okay? Malachi chapter 3 and I'm going to start at bring, uh, verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and the storehouse is the temple at that time. Then in some respects this is the temple. okay? Um, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there might be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I do not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out such a blessing and there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines of your fields will not drop their fruits before it is ripe. Says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations, says, all the nations will call you blessed. For yours will be a delightful land. I, I go back to those passages that we're sharing. I go, oh, I wish I could have been you. It would have been hard. See, in in our in our household, we got two different people. Polly is the giver. She she's the one that, if you got a need, go to her and she'll she'll empty your bank account. You come to me, say, yeah, I'll help you. I won't empty my bank account, but. I'll help you, but she learned the value. And I also know when Polly gives, she has a smile on her face. Thanksgiving is given to God, a testimony of your faith in Jesus Christ. They will pray for you, and uh, I, I got a different note here, but body life is achieved where we become the church and we're doing what God wants us to do. So this week I want you to study Malachi chapter 3 and I want you to really pray about it. God, you said test me in this. Maybe I should. And see what God does. Let's pray. So Father, you are God and we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. And Lord, there will probably be some people this week who will test you in this, because you said to do it. Lord, I'm praying that when they come back next week, that they'll have stories to tell. May it happen, O Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. They're going to be singing our final song, as many of you are aware, but I'll just remind you. While they're singing, the elders will be up here at the front to pray for anyone with any requests that you might have. It's between you and the Lord or you and the elders. They don't come to me unless you tell them to. But if you'd like to come and have prayer for any reason, feel free to come to the front of the church. Sorry. Amen.